announcement. The hemp revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. You can hear the stories of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating the business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game forever. Introducing your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. Gomez tuning in from Denver, Colorado. This is another rock star episode of the Hemp Revolution, and I am super excited for today's guest. Our guest today is a Virginia, Kansas native, former semi-pro baseball player and Crohn's disease sufferer, who is now the founder of Hempful Farms, a multi-location hemp company, which I'm super excited to share with you guys. We are seeing more and more hemp collectives popping up all over the United States. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Chris Martin, who is our special guest for the day to get down and dirty and into the weeds on the hemp collectives popping up all over town. What's up, Chris? How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it so much. I love coming on and sharing my story. Yeah, man, this is a cool opportunity. And you were just telling me that you're starting a podcast of your own, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But for our guests who haven't met you before, why don't you go ahead and just take a second and tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, and what you got going on in the industry today. Well, my name's Chris Martin. Many might know me as Billy Zonka. I was also known as Billy Zonka for the last 10 years here in Arizona. I got into the cannabis community quite a long time ago. I was a Crohn's patient since I was born, so cannabis has always been um, helpful and helpful to me. But I was diagnosed in 07. We went legal here in 2010 medically, and I decided to start a company because our law here was crazy. Our medical law stated you could have 12 plants and grow it, but you could only have two and a half ounces of finished product. So once my wife and I harvested our 24 plants between the two of us and had 25 pounds, we (laughs) didn't want to become drug dealers. We didn't want to become, you know, we definitely didn't want to throw it away. So I being a chef and my wife being a nurse, we created an edible line. And within about seven months, we were all over the state and that pissed a lot of people off. So we got raided. We were made the example of here in our state in 2012. My wife and I were facing 27 felonies. I was looking at life, 127 years to be exact, because I had a prior felony charge for a joint when I was 18. So they used that as a aggravating factor and wanted to give me a lot of time over those charges. So we fought our case three and a half years. In the interim of fighting my case, one of my farmers called me up and said, hey, Chris, I've got hemp oil and you could reproduce all of the products that you made with Zonka with your edible line and do it with him and it would be completely legal you could still help out all those same people that you're helping and at first you know you're taken back one you've been raided you're looking at life the last thing you need are more friends offering you sweet deals on the side but as (laughs) as I researched hemp oil and CBD especially as a patient myself 
it actually worked. It started doing things for me that vitamins couldn't do and supplements weren't, weren't doing. So I created a six-line brand copying what we did with Zonka. And we did a lotion, a salve, a tincture, and we launched it. We put it online just saying from the creators of Zonka and the people fighting for their life in court. And the story really got traction because no one could understand why we were looking at so much time for something that was said to have helped heal so many people. Mm-hmm. With that being said, we pushed the brand really hard. I set it up strategically because I felt like if I didn't come home from prison, my wife and kids need a way to feed themselves. So I literally set up corporations. I structured all my companies separately. Once I was sentenced to prison, I was only sentenced to two years. And the reason of the drop in time is because we had discovered that evidence had been planted. We had discovered that the police had lied to the grand jury to get an indictment, that they had post-dated their warrant to put the GPSs on our vehicle. Just lots of crazy stuff that's not allowed in court. So we hired a private (laughs) investigator, we hired an attorney, and once we disclosed all the information that we had found, they came back with a two-year plea. The two-year plea, I didn't want to take it. I wanted to, to ball up the paper and throw it on the floor. My lawyer told me better. He took me in the hallway and said, look, man, when they're offering you a two-year plea, that's them waving the white flag. But because you're here and you're a a prior felon and you have tattoos and you're a big, scary-looking guy, the jury's not going to listen to all your feel-good stories. You have prior felonies. You will go to prison. So, And it won't be for two years, you know. So he felt that it was to my best interest to just really build my empire and write my books and do everything that I wanted to do while I was in prison and actually had the time to sit still and do it. And although it was against my better judgment, I agreed to the time. And I literally went into prison and spent the next two years building my my empire, guiding my wife kind of down a, a real thin path. And she took it from there. She she built this brand. She went on to a show called, it was the... Uh, was it? Oh, the marijuana show. I'm sorry. Out of college. Yeah, I know the marijuana show. They're dope. Yeah, her and my son went on the marijuana show, and the whole theme of the show has actually changed for us. It was a, it used to be about you know cannabis entrepreneurship and getting into the industry. And when she met my wife and my son and my story, when they met us, they felt like it was time to shed more light on the, the prisoners and the court system and getting our people out of jail and not throwing them in there for plants. So they really focused the whole season on what we had been through. And my nine-year-old son went and pitched our pitch deck to investors and got my product launched into four states that we had never been in while I'm sitting in prison. So my God, this is so great. It's what dreams are made of. I I couldn't be more proud. I was released in 2017 and we have hit the ground running. We've opened up four retail stores. We've opened up two yoga studio wellness centers with massage. We've opened up a cafe. We've got two of my books launched, which one is One Life, one is a cookbook. We've launched a documentary that comes out in September called Haters Make Me Famous. And it's about exactly that. No one knew who I was until they tried to make an example and put us on the front page, winning their case in the media. We just didn't let it happen. So here we are. This is where we sit now. Fucking A right, my friend. That's... (laughs) That's the best story. And you tell it really well. Like some people have great stories, but I have no idea how to tell it. You know how to tell your story. It's fantastic. I'm like right here rooting for you because (laughs) my rights were also violated as a California patient. And I had to go up against 
both the medical and the legal system for my rights to safe access. I relapsed into my condition once I was arrested. I was, you know, such incredible turmoil and such a tumultuous process that quite literally could have turned me into any kind of statistic. I mean, I could have been a victim of the opioid epidemic. I could have been a victim of just being a Hispanic female, you know, who was unable to work because of the, you know, restrictions of the court system. I mean, it was just insane what they put us through. And for me, I was a first time offender. So it was even more alarming to see how they throw the book at you and try and make an example out of you when you're one of the good guys. I mean, quite literally, we were doing incredible things and Anyways, I'm that's so why happy. we started. That's why we started a nonprofit because a lot of people end up in the situation like I'm in, where you get in trouble and you get so afraid of fighting after you're done that you run, you, you get away, you, you don't want anything to do with the industry per se. You only use the medicine because of necessity, and everything else you want away from you. And I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want my time to be in vain. I didn't want the four years that my children suffered to, to be forgotten. My 14-year-old, who is the CEO of my pet company and was since he was nine years old, has PTSD so bad he hasn't been to public school in seven years. Seven wow. years he hasn't been allowed back. In. And it's not the schools that won't allow him back, it's me. Because when I look at my son and I dropped him off in seventh grade and I tried to implement him back into school, but as soon as I turned to leave, he ran out crying. Because what happens if dad gets raided? What happens if dad gets arrested? That's his two first questions are, if you don't come back to pick me up from school, where do I go? Why does a 14-year-old have to worry about that seven years later? Those are the things about these kinds of stories that we bring out, that the book and the documentary talk about. Because even after the raids and the story in the courtroom, the police forget about this stuff. Yet, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about their PTSD and the things that they live with. But look at the things that we deal with as families and children, the families that are a part of this drug war, because of a raid. You know, no one talks about seven, 10, 12 years later what these guys are still going through. Absolutely. And it's amazing to see how many families have been affected. I was actually just talking with Dashita Dawson, who's heavily involved with the Minorities for Medical Marijuana and looking at how many families in, you know, I would say underprivileged demographics are affected by the war on drugs, you know, and how many families were literally having to watch our Hispanic and African American men go to jail on behalf of this on behalf of this plant medicine and, and what they're doing in their communities. Now, I'm not painting a rosy picture. I know that there's other shit going down that, that affects it, but I also know that there are is very real targeting. And you're absolutely right. We're not talking enough about the adverse effects that it has on the families and on our kids. Forget the victim of the arrest. Let's you know pay attention to the ripple effect and how that translates over into our kids. Like it is a generational transmission, that fear, that concern, that worry and it never leaves. I, I can totally, I mean, I'm, I'm so proud right now that I have you on my show and that we're talking about, you know, how you are protecting your child from the effects of your choices. I mean, quite frankly, it was your choice to get into the cannabis industry and you had all of the right reasons in the world to want to do it. And at the same time, when we make those decisions as cannapreneurs, we know what the risks are. We know that we're putting our kids in a position that they don't get to choose. They don't get to choose what mommy and daddy do to bring home the bacon, right? And so 
they in themselves are a victim of our good and bad choices. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. and however that translates. So I commend you for the way that you are supporting him in his own recovery and how you're empowering him to be a part of the change that you want to see in your family and your community and in the world. This is this is like such a, a fantastic thing to be in support of. Like I am, oh, first of all, let me just say, does your nonprofit organization support people who are rehabilitating from the prison system and give them opportunity for work and things like that? Yeah, our nonprofit is twofold, actually. So me being a, a child of the state growing up as a kid, I, I've seen both sides of the pendulum. I've seen how our child care system really promotes these kids into the prison system, mainly from a monetary standpoint. So I've seen both sides. I was a, I had CASA worker that worked with me until I was 18. And then as soon as you turn 18, bam, you're off the system, you're out of the state's custody, and you're expected to be an adult and you know, reintegrate into life that you don't understand. So yeah. our nonprofit does two things. It not only does it help the drug offender, it helps the cannabis offender, the drug offender, the people that have those tags from prison that make it very more, you know, so much more expensive to come home. When you come home from prison with a drug offense, you have to go to programming, counseling. You have to go to a halfway house. You have to go, you know, you have all these different labels on you that you have to jump through. Now, think if you've been in prison for a long time, you've probably lost all those contacts within the first year or two of your family, your support system. So it's even harder. And now our prison system's 1099 you after you make $600 or more working for them. So you not only do you have that tag, but you come home with a bill. So the nonprofit's really geared to help those inmates that need that help coming home that have lost everything in this drug war that, that can't implement back in because now they have to go to a halfway house. They have to pay their drug fines and their fees and their probation fees, but don't have a job or can't write a check. So we, we take care of those guys. And then also the kids coming out of, of the programming and the child care system. Once they turn 18, they're cut off and there's no help for them. We want to prevent them from going into the system. We want to show them why they don't want to be a cog in that wheel and what the long-term effect is. So I feel like if we fix one and not the other, we're chasing our tail. We're not going to end this, this war, this system. So we felt that it was kind of twofold that we needed to attack with the nonprofit. So let me ask you this. I'll, let me share a little bit about what we got going on and what I'm thinking. And you tell me if it's a good fit. I'm just going off the cuff here. So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I started a I started a education company called the Leaf Academy, and we produced two different certification programs. One is called the CBD Ambassadors Program, where we teach people everything they need to know about hemp to effectively sell hemp or share hemp within their family, whether they're using it to preserve a healthy lifestyle or they're trying to make a living with it. The CBD Ambassadors Program allows them to work with the hemp products in an educated way and inform and educate their community as well. The second certification that I developed is called the Natural Health Coach Certification, where I have partnered with some of the world's leading experts on cannabis and hemp health, and we help them start a business of their very own from scratch that they can operate from the comfort of their computer. Now, I was really inspired to work with people who were rehabilitating from being incarcerated or even as a preventative, when I saw Kim Kardashian, of all people, Kim Kardashian working to get people released from prison who had, you know, outlandish. Uh, shows anyone can do it. Shows anyone can do it that broad. So anyways, <laughs> I got a lot of respect and admiration yep. for, her, for hers. 
as an entrepreneur. So I was really inspired. I was like, you know what, this is, this is so perfect. Like these inmates or, you know, folks who are trying to stay out of prison can do something really positive working in a field with a product that they love that allows them the time and location freedom that they want. You know, who wants to go to a job every day? They, everybody wants to, you know, have the American dream and feel like they have ownership of the job that they're working. And so I reached out to her to donate a number of certifications. The value of the certification is $6,000. And I would like to donate certifications, the natural health code certification to 10 of your inmates. Oh, start there. We'll start there, but I just, I think that it would be such an amazing contribution and I really, really want to be a part of that transformation that you're working towards and especially the youth who are coming out of, you know, the system and are looking for a place to be found and recognized and, you know, just that, that shot that you need, you know, like everyone's just looking for a chance. And when they don't get that chance, they go out and they take it. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of opportunity for folks like that. I was raised in a very humble environment. My father was an immigrant. We had to run out of the house, you know, when I was a 12-year-old girl running away from a domestic violence situation. And I started my first day of seventh grade living in a stranger's living room, like behind her couch and watching my mom, you know cry on the phone trying to figure out what she was going to do next. And everyone's just looking for that hand up, not not a hand out. They are going to have to work hard to be successful, but I am willing to give them all I got to help. So we'd like to thank you. Yeah, we we have to thank you. That is so amazing of you. We work really hard to get help for these people. And honestly, if people aren't involved, they don't get involved if if they haven't been touched by prison or court system nobody really wants to go around it or talk about it so people like us that have been through this it's our job this is our duty we have to do this but that doesn't make it any easier to raise funds that doesn't make it any easier to really get the job done so we just want to tell you thank you I, i started two programs and and it was just like you, it was inspiration that did it for me. When I went to prison, I'm not an artistic person at all. My wife sent me coloring books, adult coloring books, and just said, here, get your head right, stay focused on what you're doing. So I did these coloring books. Well, I noticed other men that were super excited about these coloring books, which is really funny if you think about it, a bunch of grown tattooed men running around excited about coloring books. It's amazing in its own right. So I started to hand out these books. They would turn their artwork back their artwork into me and I would send it home to my wife. When my wife starts posting it on Facebook, showing everyone, like, look at what these guys do in there with their time off. She starts to auction the work off. Now it's turned into a huge program where we do, it's called Coloring Books for Convicts on my Facebook page, where I sell hobby craft and inmate artwork nonprofit. We put all the money back on their books and they're they're drug offenders. We don't take artwork from everyone. You know, we're not selling violent offenders or whatever. No, no, no. Nothing like that. It's all drug offenders, low lying fruit, people that keep going back because they can't get out of their own way. So we take that and we sell it for them. And it's it's turned from that and now it's turned into a cooking show. We we started a cooking show called Convicted Creations. I wrote a cookbook of nothing but prison food tamales made out of Doritos and ice cream made in the dryer. And it's just things that I created while I was there because I'm a chef and things that these guys have done forever because they live there now. 
now I start, if you go to YouTube, look up Convicted Creations, we have 14 episodes and I bring the inmates home. When they come home, we put them on the set. We, we have them film their favorite their favorite meal. We have them talk about a story. It's really just counseling to show that, you know, hey, you're not a victim anymore. You're not, you, you know, you made a mistake, move forward. We, there's, there's good to life out here. So with your help and with that donation, I can announce that on all those platforms and really help so many people out. And we are so thankful. If there's anything we can ever do for you, just just holler. You know that we'll be here. Man, we're gonna we're gonna be doing some cool stuff together for sure. Like I wanna come out. I have a whole video team. I'm gonna come out there. I really wanna shine some light on what you guys are doing. This is gonna be a really amazing project. I'd love to come on to your guys' shows too and talk about, you know the Leaf Academy. And I mean, it literally comes with everything products. It comes with business training. It comes with a website of their very own access to the doctors. Like they're really going to build a lot of confidence working with this and they're going to be able to run a successful business when they follow the system, you know, and with, with that little boost of confidence that you give them validating the stuff that they do know and that they did learn, it just opens up a gateway for them to understand like you are of value. You have something of value you you're a powerful person and you can make a lot of positive change in the world and here's your opportunity so i'm so happy to do that it's um you know it's a significant donation and we're just so proud we're so proud to be able to do it and so happy to align ourselves with other entrepreneurs who are focused on the change and not the and not the cash that comes with the industry for me i always say this like the income is a direct relationship with the impact that you're bringing into the marketplace if you're so focused on like chasing the money the money is going to get the better of you you're going to always be asking you're always going to have your hand out for a fundraiser you're always going to have your hand out you know trying to get the capital you need to operate your business you're not going to have the same kind of commitment or conviction from your community that you're serving because you're in it for the money Flossy brands for me, like I tell people all the time, people don't buy products, they buy people, dude, where's your story? Like, what's your message? <laughs> what's the mission? Let's get committed here. So I, well, I think that's how our company survived nine years and honestly, three years in prison. I've watched companies come and go. When I started my hemp company, what, nine years ago? Yeah. We were snake oil salesmen. Nobody wanted to listen, <laughs> all those names. And now, you know, all those same people are doing the exact same thing they're 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 and which for us we're just happy people are talking about it and using these products i don't care where they come from as long as you know they're tested and that they've got c of a's and you're safe with that that's great i just know what we've done for nine years from seed to sale and we've driven that model into into the people's faces I, you know, to me, watching all these other companies pop up, it's a sign of flattery almost like, hey, we nailed something here. We yeah, finally showed totally. a model that workers. Yes, I love it. You you guys are my new spirit animals. Okay, talk <laughs> to me a little bit about the boardroom. You're a family-owned business. You got your 14-year-old in the boardroom. And I mean, I work with my husband. That is like the best and the worst thing ever. <laughs> So give me the temperature of your guys' boardroom. When you guys go into the war room and you're planning and you're looking at, you know, the different facets of your business and what needs to be done here, how involved is your is your son? How involved is your wife? Are you really the head of all of this or is it truly a collaborative effort? You know, it's truly collaborative. I'm the face because I'm the one ugly enough to survive prison. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, that's the truth. You know, 
people think that, you know, in my case that I was the warrior and I don't want to take all that credit, you know, prison sucks. I'm not going to lie, but coming from a childhood, like I came from, it was easy. I I'm, I'm two fifty six one covered in tattoos. I really don't have a problem. <laughs> and on the other aspect, I'm not in there as a bully. I'm in there to help heal just like I do out here. So these programs that I started out here, they actually started in there. They were programs I started with people in there. So now that I've gotten home, the, the one lesson that my wife and I have both learned through all this after 20 years of marriage and five kids and two grandkids is, you know what? I need to shut my mouth sometimes. That's what it taught me. I need to go to prison. I need to sit back and let my wife do what she's good at. And what my wife learned was that she's way more important to this whole situation than she gave herself credit for. She, she's an art, you know, she's in the medical field. She's been an aspiring RN for 10 years. She has helped formulate a lot of our products on the topical side, but she doesn't want credit for that. She doesn't want to be in the camera or in the books or magazines. She doesn't care about all that. She likes it when people come back saying, man, that really worked. Oh my goodness, show me that again. That's what she's here for. And this lesson taught her, like when I went to prison, she had to step up in so many ways, not just yeah. on the business aspect, yeah. but the family. She carried this family. She carried my you know, kids going to school every day and homework and the sprained ankles to the sick babies, to the, you name it. She, she did all of that with maybe a one 15 minute phone call for me. And a lot of times when those 15 minute calls came, they were used to discuss business plans or we're on conference call with dispensaries or, I mean, literally I've never been in a conference call with a business from prison. I have to tell you what a humbling experience that is, but my wife ran it. My wife owned it. My wife set every bit of it up. All I did was make sure the numbers made sense and that it made sense for our company. I got threatened for running a, a illegal entity and enterprise in prison because I was trying to show my wife how to read a P&L and make sense of it. So it just shows you the battle. So when it comes to the war room, it's really all of us. It's, it's everyone. My son created the dog line. I had 35 products under Weedless and under Hemphill, and he came to me and said, Dad, our eight-year-old Rottweiler limp's really bad. What can we do for him? And I'm like, oh, we'll give him the oil. He's like, but not every dog wants the oil. Next thing I know, me and him are in the kitchen making a biscuit. And we started making dozens and dozens of biscuits by hand. And it's, it's really, that's one thing we pride ourselves on in this company is we're still family, no matter how much we grow. My uncle and my cousin run my Chico store. My best friend and his wife run my Youngtown store. My kids work here in production. My wife's best friend and her son are my two managers. Like, even throughout my grow. And yeah, I come home from prison. I got a grow back. I got my brand back. I got 16 staff over there. So for us, it's all about all of them. I can't do any of this without any of them. I'm just, I'm merely the presence. I'm the guy that lights the fire. I walk in the room and people automatically walk up and shake hands and give hugs. That's, that's that presence I bring. That's, I pride myself on that. I, yeah. I, I, I've worked hard for that. And I think it's earned us a little bit of respect here, not just from the story standpoint, but from a business standpoint, because we keep our word. We still shake hands, which is very unheard of anymore, but, but we keep our word because of that handshake. Yeah. My uh, husband's family built an entire empire with handshake deals. And I think it's a lost, it's a lost art the art Man. of thrust, it's a lost, it's a lost art. 
So with the mention of business, I want to dive in a little bit because we have a lot of our listeners who are considering getting into the hemp space. They're trying to figure out their entry point. They're doing their risk to reward ratios right now. Some of them are dabbling in, you know, buying penny stocks online and on the stock exchange, you know, or some of them are existing entrepreneurs or patients who just love this product and want to be in support of the movement overall. But I want to speak to those entrepreneurs who are curious, who are hungry, and are considering making the moves in. What kind of potential are they looking at if they follow this model of you know, community contributions and really building a company that has you know, these fundamentals built into the foundation? What are your revenues looking like now that you're nine years in and you're doing all of this seed to sale you know, fully integrated company or fully vertical company. What are your revenues looking like right now? What do they have to look forward to? You know, honestly, my first year in prison, my wife did 1.5 while I was gone that year. And before that, we did maybe 40 grand. So just to show you the growth alone right there, I think sticking to our model was the key and still is and always will be, even though we still walk a tightrope on that corporate side. You know, we, we just got approved on Range Me, where it's a B2B situation, like Big Box. So everyone from Ultra to Safeway, Albertsons, those guys, that's where they can come look at you. So you still have that, you know, you still have that decision to make. Like when these companies call, are you going to be able to produce that much? Are you going to be able to jump in line with these guys? We keep that model, see the shelf, handshake deal, and we, we just choose to do it our way. You know, if, if those big box, which we just had a call about, you know, a multiple store deal, and we just tell them, look, we're here to grow with you. And if you're honest with what you are and who you are, and when you come to the table, I think that's where longevity comes in. You have to really stick to your game plan, though. But also that with that being said, being open to change, I think not, but not being willing to change in this market will bury your company. We've had to change quite a bit growing in those nine years without losing that integrity, without losing that staple of why we built this company. Like, yeah, we're going to grow. We're in 300 stores nationally right now, but we still do small batch. We still do small batch testing to make sure we control the milligram and know exactly what's in everything. So we don't lose that touch. So I think if people stick to their guns and their model, you know, you're always going to have those people that come to this game with short-term game that, that are going to want to get in and get out. I don't see how we avoid that unless we do away with some of the penny stocks. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's not me to speak on. I'm not a penny stock guy. I'm not, I'm not a stock guy. I, I'm not I, a stock I, guy either. I'm a tangible person. You know what I mean? I, I want you to come see what we do, believe in what we are and go from there. Um, stock to me is like going to Vegas. And at least up there, you get to go see some nudity and some good <laughs> so, big difference, big difference, you know? Um, I, I think right now it, it, it's a huge time to be in this game, you know, and if you find your niche and what I mean by that isn't just, you know, a cute little brand or a label on a logo or a logo on a label that what I mean by niche is finding your in, you know, like I had a company, I do a lot of consulting. I had a company that asked me the other day, you know, I've, I've got land and I want to farm and I want to get involved. What do I do? And they think it's really that easy. They're going to walk out, they're going to throw some seeds in the ground and they're going to walk away and go, Hey, I've got money now. And I, I tell them, look at your demo, look at where you're at, look at what you're doing. You know, every demo is going to be different. We're, we're talking about Arizona, a, comp- a state that just allowed growing in June. You know, so these guys are already looking at out extra strategies and end games. And I'm trying to explain to them, like, look, if you pay attention to now, like, we don't have a processor here. We've got people getting in and starting to get involved. But all these people that want to go out and grow hemp, where are you going to process your hemp? 
You know, yeah, I see him go bad. I, I'm watching him mold because they don't have anywhere to take it. So if, if you pay attention to you, around you and what's happening around you, I think that's what's going to help you. I think that's really what's going to keep this thing moving and how you're going to be successful. Don't sell yourself short. You know, I've told more big companies, no, I had a huge company come here from California that wanted to partner, wanted to probably take my edible line to the next level. But that also meant me giving up a lot more than I was willing to give up because that's not why I'm here. I, I don't have this four year in exit strategy and in game, you know, uh, Crohn's isn't going to be over for me next year. I'm not going to just all of a sudden be better. And I know uh, millions of people that feel that same way. So I, I owned a business and started a business out of necessity, out of wanting to always have access and always have safe access. I feel like a lot of people have that same thought process is that either they want to know they have that access or that they can do it better or that they, they can put out a, a better product. And I think that's great. Just, just know your demo. Know the people around you. And honestly, my one piece of advice, Google search. Google searches go so far. You know how many people I've had to send cease and desist on using the word handful? I mean, I didn't fight six years in prison and, and spend thousands of dollars on getting trademarks and lawyers and insurance and <laughs> all these protections to watch some person not know what a Google search is and then start their whole company and get their dreams destroyed because I had to send them a letter saying, hey, look, man, you can call it whatever you want to. But And I just I only say that because it's a respect issue. You know what I mean? On top of a, yeah. a smart decision totally. in business, it's just a respect thing. You know what I mean? So. That's all. when you come from the neighborhoods we come from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't send you cease and desist letters. <laughs> no, y'all better step. You don't want me at your front door talking about. <laughs> right. Well, like even Zonka. Zonka's a lot like Wonka, but we made the changes necessary. We went out and we got the, the proper licensing for it and the trademark. And, you know, we made sure we followed our P's and Q's. And we're even about to go through a whole new rebrand. So that way it has nothing to do with the child candy bar and, you know, we don't want to make that correlation with people and confuse people. We want them to understand the differences. It's just having that common sense sometimes isn't always common. Yeah. You know? Every, so reading a book or asking somebody a question just goes a long way. I love it. How do you fit time in with the wife for, you know, the, and I'm asking, I'm asking for a friend myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. You know, one of the biggest challenges for us as canopreneurs and mama and papa preneurs, like, there is very little time that is not dedicated to the boardroom and to planning and to right. business conversation. How do you guys balance the love life with your love for business? Well, you know, for one, we haven't worked a day since we started this company. That, that old adage of if you're doing what you love, it's never work is true. I've ran restaurants my whole life, so to do what I do now is heaven compared to the restaurants. <laughs> I love being a chef, but it's hard work. You don't sleep, you don't sit down, you're not home on holidays or weekends, and that's 25 years of my life. So now that I actually get to sit in the office with my wife or go through production and talk about what we've got coming out on the new rollout, it's a dream. For me, it's, it's honestly a dream. Now, we have good and bad days, don't get me wrong, but we've been together 20 years, so it's really easy for us to look at each other and go, you know, 
I'm going to go home today and work from home. And it, and it works that way. We have that avail- availability between the two of us, but we also make sure that we, you know, for us, family is number one. We've been on the other side where we got to see our families through video screens and chain link fences. So every single day is just a blessing. And, and yeah. I hate to sound really cliche, but I literally wake up and I go kiss my kids. I wake up and I, I kiss them on the forehead. I tell them good morning. I tell them I love you because I love them because I want to. So we, we make it happen. You know, my wife is very stickler with that calendar when she says, Hey, Hey, you know, Chris, I've got four days planned and we're going to the grand Canyon on this. It's happening. And and (laughs) that's how our family works. If it's not on the calendar, I'm not showing up. I'm going to probably miss it at best be late. So she knows if it's on the calendar, I look over, Oh, Hey, we got a vacation before days. I got to leave. And I think that's very important for everyone to make happen. Make that time. This life goes by so fast. We're, we're not here very long. I mean, I remember being in high school. Now I'm almost 50. It, it, that happens so fast. It Just make that time. Yeah. Make it happen. It's, it's, you can talk about it all day long, but until you make it happen, you're not helping your family heal or grow together. You just you, Nothing's more important. I don't care at the end of the day what bill is due, you know, what money's going out of the bank account. It's nothing to go walk this, this shoreline of a lake and throw a pole in with your kid. or you, know, it, you have to make it happen. And until I sat in prison for that many years looking out the window going, man, I missed all these things. I probably wouldn't have thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. If I can share that opinion and change a vision, then that's what we're here to do. Well, I'm just being in this, just being in this interview, like I'm so super motivated and inspired, like the mentality shift. I, I'm one of those people who absolutely love what I do and it can be overwhelming. I quite literally get a message every three seconds with a million followers, 350,000 subscribers, you know, like there's, there is not a moment in the day where I don't get, and I'm so compelled to help. Like I personally reach out and and I'm over here messaging and, you know, so my kids are like, Hey mom, you know, what about me? And I really have to be more conscious about spending the the dedicated time. And so I've started to like turn my phone off on the weekends and, you know, from, from this time to this time on Friday and Monday, I'm not available and really taking more time to be with them because it's, it's those little things that make all of the big efforts every day worth every minute, you know, and to those people who are aspiring entrepreneurs listening in on this, this is a perfect time. I, you know, I'm, I always try and give you guys little tips and tricks that you can use to get started in this space or start to evaluate your entry point. And in our last episode, we talked with Dashita about, you know, knowing your avatar and the problem that you want to solve, understanding what products and delivery systems are going to be most effective and, and really having a business model that allows you to live the life that you love instead of the other way around. But I want to add some things onto that because it's important for you to know in your consideration of starting your business that if you are not passionate and purposeful about what you're doing, the profits are not going to turn out or pan out the way that you want them to. You have to have passion and a real purpose. I'll say it again. People are not buying products. They're buying people. So your story, your message, your mission, and connecting those things directly to the avatar or demographic that you want to serve, solving those problems first and, and falling in love with the people that you are serving is going to take you so much further down the line than somebody who is heavily capitalized 
and just in this for the money. That is how you build legacy. That is how you build longevity for your company. And for you as an entrepreneur, how to avoid the burnout, be passionate and purposeful about what you're doing. Any last words, Chris? This has just been such an incredible interview for me to do today. I'm like energized. I love what you guys are doing. And I can't wait to talk more offline about the other things that we are definitely going to be collaborating on. No, I just appreciate you. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said legacy. Legacy is what it's about for us. That's why we started this. I don't remember anything about my parents now that they're gone. And I don't like that. It hurts. And I want even through the troubles, I want my family to remember what we did, why we did it, because there's a purpose behind it. This wasn't about, like you said, the, the ducats. This isn't about the money. My documentary cost me more money than I had. I really did it for a message. It's a purpose. My, my message and purpose to people is just don't quit. Don't give up. You can never give up no matter what the circumstances is. You're talking to a guy that did 42 group homes as a kid and moved on to seven different prison yards in six years. I easily could have fell victim to any one of those circumstances and been a statistic, a number, a bed space. And I, I chose not to. The world's a bigger and better place, and I want to be a part of it. Spoken like a true king. Big up to your wife and your family, man. This is a beautiful company that you guys have built. Excited to do further collaborations yes. and continue to tell your story. Guys, for those of you who are tuning in, check us out on the emeraldcircle.com for more transformational stories from the inside of the hemp revolution. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez, and we'll see you on our next episode. Thanks for listening to another Rockstar episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez. And just for you, we took notes on this episode along with the links and other resources mentioned inside of today's show. Get them for free right now by going to theemeraldcircle.com. Now, if you want more on this, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast or wherever you like to listen, and you will be automatically entered in to our monthly giveaway where you can get swag bags, all kinds of cool gifts and discounts from our guests and exclusive offers that are only mentioned right here in the Hemp Revolution podcast. I can't wait for you to share this with your friends. With your help, we've been able to impact millions of people's lives around the world with the truth about hemp and cannabis. And we know that you love us so much that you're going to leave a review and rate us right now on your favorite platform to absorb content just like this. Now, we challenge you to dream big and love the life that you live. Thanks so much. And we hope to see you on our next episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. Ciao for now.